Shareable is part of C-Suite Radio. say that season two is going to be absolutely incredible because in season two i have a co-host co-host say hello hello that's caroline she's now my co-host so season two of shareable is going to be a little bit different we're still talking about people and technology but we're going to go a little bit deeper a master class so grab your favorite pen and your favorite piece of paper and get ready to take some notes because this is shareable Welcome back, Shareable listeners. Thanks so much for tuning back in with Jeff and Caroline here on Shareable. We want to first, before we even get into today's topic, thank you so much for all of the uh, wonderful feedback you've given us, for all the stars you give us on Overcast, the reviews you leave us on iTunes, and all the love you show us in every way you do on Instagram and Twitter. We really do appreciate it, and it helps to motivate us and keep us going when we <laughs> otherwise would be super sad. So sad. So sad. But you make us happy. Make us happy. Well, <laughs> today I'm uh, very excited for who we're about to talk to um, because I think it's something that most people don't pay enough attention to, and I'm really glad that we found you. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mike Whitaker, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. <laughs> Absolutely. So I think there are some people out there who may not uh, have heard about you. So I think we should educate them on who you are and what you're all about. So humble brag it up, man. Tell them who you do, who you are and what you do. Well, I'm a career entrepreneur. Um, I think I've had two jobs very briefly out of college in the early 90s. And then uh, I've been 25 years of uh, swinging, making it every day with uh, usually tech startups and, and, and developing businesses. I advise, I invest. And uh But one of my favorite things to do is to write and speak on what I would call life-changing concepts, things that really, you know, help the person who wants to uh, get more out of life, you know, and uh, because that's how I live my life. You know, I I get the most every day. I can't, I wish I had 28 hours and um, things like that. But um, I've uh, I've started businesses and I've uh, sold businesses. I've had some fail. Um, I've I've been a CEO and and I'm a a dad and... um, and, uh, you know, just trying to live the life balance and, and those kind of things. And um, this, uh, this is my new book, The Decision Makeover, is an opportunity for me to kind of launch the author portion of, uh, you know, the new chapter, if you will, of uh, <laughs> what I'm doing. And, um, and I'm really having a great time talking about uh, the concepts in that book and, and speaking about it. So. Awesome. Well, I'm looking forward to speaking with you today about The Decision Makeover and the concepts that are in that book. Um, but let's um, let's kind of define for the audience who they are. So there's an ideal audience out there of one for an episode like this, somebody who really needs to hear what you have to offer. Can you tell them who they are for who's listening? And, and, and granted, there's always more than one audience, but who is the sort of concepts we're going to cover today really most important for? Wow, that's the out of all the podcasts I've done, this is that's a great question. Uh, <laughs> it's an important one. <laughs> it's a very important question. All right, so the, the the people walking around that this topic applies to include person that's got a decision that they haven't been willing to make. They know they need to make it, and it's been holding them up. It's the, it's a it's a barrier they need to get past to get on with their life. Mm-hmm. It might be a decision to leave something. It might be a decision to start something. Um, this, this, the book and this, and this podcast can be a motivation and, and, or an encouragement and a method to do that. Uh, the other type of person is the one who is, um, who has not yet figured out how to guide themselves. They, you know, have got their life ahead of them. Maybe they're younger and they've got, uh, 
everything's a little bit gray, you know, <laughs> nothing's concrete. Uh, they've been work, every, all the big categories of life, career relationships, um, and the book I talk about is a dozen great big categories of decision making. Well, all, all those are kind of mushy. And, and well, we got to firm that up because at the end <laughs> of the day, you're going to want to accomplish something. You got, you have things you want to do. And that only happens if we make progress and progress only happens if we make good decisions. And so those two groups, I'd say that the people that, um, that, uh, know they want to do better you know they need to turn some things around and then the people that need to set a course and, and find it and uh and get going excellent so i have i have two follow-ups for that i want to ask you the first one which is let's uh let's assume that that person is listening right now one thank you for listening person listening. <laughs> um but if if they were to go through this entire episode with you and we're going to talk about all the concepts in the book we're going to walk people through things what what is the value to someone after they are able to make those sort of decisions? I mean, there's there's obviously probably positive outcomes that come from potential negative outcomes, um, things that they can learn. What would you say is the importance of of making those decisions, either making better decisions, making them faster, whatever you know the 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 perspective you take on it? What's the value to someone if they were to be able to do that? Well, I'd like to first say the value of today's podcast is anybody listening to it isn't is going to be changed. There's no way they can unhear nice. what they're going to hear. To. <laughs> ah, it's true. You can't you can't unring the bell once you understand. And then, and the, which is the bigger message here? Which is to your question, is you're changed because you now know you have more control than you thought in your life. Hmm. You are accountable. But this is also exciting because um, this is like you know in any in any strategy game, there's a certain number of moves. Like in the game of chess, there's a certain number of moves that we have in life. And we're going to make better moves. And that is exciting. That is fun. It's fun to win. It's fun to make <laughs> progress. And um, a lot of people don't realize that they actually have more of a say than than they ever thought. I, I, I tell people that a lot of folks go through life thinking life happens to them. And that's actually not the case at all. There are randomness. There's things that happen out of just pure happenstance. But 95% of what we get in life, what we achieve, what we look back on in our own scrapbook as, ah, I like that it happened. I like that I did that. I'm really proud of that. 95% um, of that is due to our own decision making. And that's a little sobering. But yet, it's your power. It's your option. And uh, I think that's why people are changed because this conversation gives them – the accountability, but also the exciting opportunity to steer their own life in a faster and more efficient way to get what they want, which is what the book's all about. I love this. I'm so yeah, into this. Yeah, that was a hell of that's, a sound bite you just yeah, gave us. <laughs> that's fantastic. So I'm into that for so many reasons. Um, so I do a lot of public speaking, and I recently was at an event where the incomparable Michael Port um, talked about how everything that we do on stage as a speaker is a choice and how those choices yield different results. And I think obviously the same could be said uh, if you think of the Shakespeare quote, all the world's a stage. Every decision and choice you make in your in your life can also have far-reaching effects. So I'm, I'm totally into this. Before we get into the real meat of, of showing people it, I want to know from you, where did this obsession or uh, interest in this topic of decision-making come from? Was it from a personal experience? Was it from uh, some advice you gave to someone that you said, ah, oh, I have a knack for this or like, where did the interest come from? Where did it start for you? Well, the two, two things happened to me. One is that every five years I went to my high school reunion. Um, we have a great, a great high school class and we were all pretty close. And, uh, I was every five years getting a little bit of a collecting data of 
how our lives were kind of evolving, you know, after, after high school graduation, you know, and, and I realized as things went on that the divergence of all our paths was due to decision-making. We all came from similar backgrounds, similar parents, similar values, definitely similar education. And then suddenly you have people going in different directions, uh, some feeling successful, some feeling not so successful. And that was a major, kind of a major point for me, which was why. And then um, in in business, uh, I've been developing, investing in in startups and, you know, entrepreneurial startups for for 25 years. And I've been doing it as an entrepreneur, but I've also, I began the last 10 years really coaching and investing in startups, especially tech, because it's changing the world. Mm-hmm. And I realized one of the things I'm really good at that I'm using in, in uh, with startups is, you know, the decision-making of how a business gets off the ground from an idea to becoming viable and having customers and making it, that's an arc, right? In any story, there's an arc. It starts, it peaks, it's got a wonderful moment, hopefully, and it fades away into the distance in, 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 a, in a great success story, hopefully. That's, mm-hmm. a, that's a business arc. Well, I realized, I, why is it easier to do that for a business than it is to do it with people? Because people have arcs, mm-hmm. and it's the same type of decisions. Yet you start, and you make decisions to do either they help you on your plan or you don't. And so I started looking at the parallels of that, and I looked at successful people. And I asked myself, what's different about successful people in society? And I don't mean the celebrities and the people who get lucky and win a lottery or no, throw those outliers out. But the average successful person makes decisions differently. And that's what I pinpointed in research and talking to them and looking at my own experiences. And people want success. And I think it's important for us to remember that success is a personal definition. It's not money. It's not fame. It's not notoriety and, and, uh, and it is a personal definition. And for me, I know it's not money because I know a lot of people with money that are very unhappy. So what success is in your own definition is a balance of what you wanted to do and feel in life. It's the joys, it's the, the experiences, the challenges, the milestones you pass in your own personal scrapbook that you're building for your life. That's, that's success for people. Now, I want to help them achieve that. But the point is, is that you have to define it for yourself because if you're looking over at someone else's arc in their life, that's, that's the wrong way to see it because you came from a different place and you have different resources and different opportunities and talents, right? So uh, we get success that we want because we stick to a plan that we believe in, we believe in, and then that makes the decisions that are in that possible path that we have to make. Option A, option B, turn left, turn right. We, it makes that more clear. And we'll get into how we make good decisions. But, but the point is, is that the reason how I got to this was that there's a simple discipline that's in the book that we can talk to today that the successful people follow, both in how they make decisions and then what they do when they made a bad decision. And those are the, the things that I found most fascinating uh, to answer your question. That's awesome. I'm super interested in the idea, especially as, as kind of an audience surrogate for that second person that we outlined, that person who's at the beginning of their career. I'm only 22. So I'm in that gray area of, I don't really know where everything's kind of going to go for me, but I'm at the beginning of that sort of 
getting to define that arc for myself. So I'm super excited to get into all of this with you today. But coming from that perspective, I want to start out with what do you think is a mistake people beginning out in this process of making, setting out to make better decisions make right from the get-go? What are they getting wrong about decision-making and how it can affect your life? First of all, they they are they are not aware that there's decisions right in front of their face mm-hmm. um, on a daily basis. Um, we make ten thousand decisions a year uh, or more. Some are you know small and inconsequential. What we wore to work today or what we had for breakfast. But then there's medium decisions, which are which are what I would call small course corrections. Things like enrolling in a class or um, uh, getting involved in a project that might take them a new direction or um, saying yes to someone who wants to, you know, to date or uh, uh, yes to a new friendship. Those are medium decisions that can take our lives in new places. And then there's the big decisions, which we only make about one a year. Um, And the big decisions are massive opportunities to change our course in life. They are decisions about jobs and and love and um, where we live and how much education and expertise we're acquiring. Um, and uh, there's a whole list of in my book of the big decisions. I call them the biggies. So the point is, is that people aren't aware that there's the, all these decisions in front of them. And I say, have fun with the small decisions. That's great. But the other ones, you got to pause and think a little harder. It isn't like this is a harder way of making decisions. It's just being aware. And then, aha, this is one that impacts my future. And the way we know that is, and this is what the book process starts. It says, first thing to think about, you know, what are some goals you've got from right now? So I make you identify five prime goals. Now, why five? Because when we have more than five, I found that none of them get accomplished. We, I, you know, I used to get up every day and I had 20 goals and whichever one popped up first, like whack-a-mole, I would work on. But it, it isn't really effective to do that. You, it's better to have five prime goals. And then when you, as you accomplish one, you replace it. But out of those five, even more important, you have to pick a number one. As I say in the book, there only can be one number one. And the reason you pick a number one is that's king for the day. Every decision you make until it's accomplished, if it's truly number one for you, then let's go get it. Every decision you make supports the number one goal. So think about that. It's like putting the destination of where you're traveling in your GPS on your phone. Once you give Siri that destination, Turning left or turning right really matters, right? You're either closer or further away. And that's the key here. Your number one goal will get accomplished when you have the discipline to name it number one and everything else is second. So um, that's one of the ways in which we start the process is we link our decision making to our prime goals. And those, and those make those, that makes those prime decisions. And so simply an awareness, hey, I do make a lot of decisions and being aware that, oh, that's a bigger decision and now suddenly that's a prime decision because it intersects a prime goal. That little thing right there, that awareness can change someone's life. So I love this for 101 reasons, but I'm, <laughs> but I'm only going to give you a few. To stay. Uh, so we're, you know, we're in the business of strategy. My, my company is in the business of strategy. And this sounds to me very much like designing a life strategy because you are starting with your goals and, and you're implementing it on a regular basis, which is what my business coach would generally refer to as priority management as opposed to uh, task management. So you're deciding what are the things that are actually most important. I love your idea of limiting it to five. Mm-hmm. I think that is a, a great way to go. I tend to instinctually do that because five is my favorite number. But I'm, I'm 100% into this as a starting point of, hey, let's start with our goals. 
let's figure out what are the decisions that we want to make first thing in the morning to, you know, what's the big goal mm-hmm. of the day? I like to call them biggies. Um, <laughs> and then, uh, and you should probably make the ones in between the small ones and the big ones, biggie smalls. That would be really funny. <laughs> um, Very but, good. But I, I like that as starting with the goals. Um, when somebody is going to get started, you know, let's, let's spend a little bit of time on this. How do you frame how big to make those goals, you know, like we're, we're thinking about that first step, right? You say goals. Okay, cool. But there's kind of like, what's my goals for the year? What's my goals for the month? What's my goal for the week? What's my goal for the day? What's my life goal? There are all these different <laughs> levels of it. Where would you suggest somebody who wants to, in general about their life, make better decisions? What's the level of goal that they should be starting out with? Yeah, you're, you've got some of the best questions I've ever had. This is fantastic. I, the big goals they're big because they're important. So big is not in how much work it's going to be. Big is in how important it is to you. So today I've got five prime goals and those categories tend to be career. What about my career? It's a milestone. So the goal has to be achievable. It's got to be a milestone. You can reach and achieve, right? So your goal in career might be, I'm getting promoted to this next job. I really want this next position um, or I really want this client. If you're, you know, if you're a, a sole proprietor or an entrepreneur, you know, whatever that goal, but career and business, you have a milestone. I want that next client or, or a position in there's health goal, my health goal. A lot of people need to keep health goals in as a prime goal. Now it's, it's gotta be achievable. So it might be for your health. I need to drop 20 pounds. It might be for your health. Uh, you might be a, you might use an, an achievement like I'm going to run a, a 5k or a 10k or you know whatever a marathon. Um, I might want to bench press you know 200 pounds, whatever <laughs> it is. But but the health got that's an important one. Relationship, okay. The clock's ticking. People want to have a, a life that includes certain things they've always thought they wanted. It might be a family, might be just having a spouse and being one of the happily uh, coupled people in, on the earth. Well, then they have to get busy with meeting people that qualify to be that person for them. That takes work and time. So that's a prime goal where you want, what a relationship might be hobbies. Like I have a hobby. I do competitive trap shooting, which is a shotgun sport with orange targets. And it drives me uh, insane at the same time. It challenges me and it's a prime goal for me to uh, make all American status uh, in that because I think that makes me a more competitive career person when I'm competitive in a sport. Uh, that's just my personal deal. But there's so if you think about right now, all of us have we could name five things that are most important things to us uh, as a prime goal. They tend to be out in the distance of like we give ourselves. I'd like to accomplish this in the next five years, or I'd like to, you know, it's not like it's forever, but it's not today. Today's goals, those are tasks. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can have objectives, but prime goals. It's kind of like steering, you know, you look out, you don't look at the hood at your windshield and the car, you look out down the road, down a ways, right? You're looking far enough ahead so that you can steer without a lot of overcorrection. That's what a prime goal does. Does that make sense? Yes. I'm uh, sorry. Yeah, there, there were some, sense. some loud, uh, visitors outside of the yeah, studio. They just walked by it like right at the end. Party, party. I gave them a look and I was like, what are you doing? <laughs> we, we have signs. We, we, we have professional signs, signs. And we are going through some very important things. <laughs> One of things. your prime goals is to have a quiet studio. Yeah, exactly. Yes. Um, so wait, I, so I just want to make sure I captured these. So we've got career, we've got health, we've got relationships, we've got hobbies. Did I miss any? 
Well, you know, the prime goal, the biggie categories, those are just for the prime. Those are like, it's kind of for everybody. Like some people might be their spirituality. For some people, it might be well, yeah. uh, their family. It has to be achievable. It's not like a value system. It's a it's achievable prime goal. So you're you know in spirituality, your prime goal might be to complete a course of study. Mm -hmm. uh, okay. You know, it might be to uh, attain a certain position within your uh, church, or um, you know, these things are something you can achieve. It might be your prime goal might be to to uh, move and live in a city you you've always wanted to live in. Uh, it might include. Um, uh, transforming yourself um, professionally and completely changing careers or becoming certified in a new way so you have more expertise and more appeal to the world. So, see, these prime goals, I don't have to know what they are. You know, if I just interviewed you for five minutes, I bet I could get you to name five prime goals you have right now that if you could achieve those five, you'd be thrilled. Absolutely. But but in, in all honesty, I'm very self-aware. So it would probably be easy with me. For those listening who and, and that's not like a humble brag. That's just, I just know myself and I know what I'm into and I know what I'm, where I'm going. For those that may have a little bit more of a challenge trying to figure out where they're trying to go and even, because these are big questions, right? Like these are not, these are not necessarily, prime goals don't seem like they're the kind of like little things that you're like, should I get milk? You know, these are no. big goals in your life. And some people, those are challenging things to confront. Some people, it's even challenging to even know where to start on that. So uh, just, I don't want you to go through everything in your book, but in your book, do you give people kind of starting points for like things to look over, things to think about, et cetera? Yeah, well, the book definitely takes you through that. I think there, and then illustrations of, of extra and exercises that I asked you to do, but for, just for example, um, for the average person, everybody would like to make probably make more money, raise their income. That's reasonable. Right. That's reasonable, right? Now, let's get specific. So we think about what would be the next milestone in your career that would would enable you to be worth more money. And I say worth because if the value is there, then people are likely to pay you more. So you can decide for yourself what that is. That might be you becoming more of an expert in your in a certain subject matter. It might be you taking a different position in the company. Um, you can decide. But the point is, is that if your prime goal is, hey, I'd like to be able to earn more money, um, then you know what that next step probably is given where you're at right now. And so we set that next step as, the, as a prime goal. I want to advance in my career or in my income to the next level. And that's a prime goal. Now, Let's take it all the way. If that's my, if I, let's say I label that goal number one. I want to make uh, a more a higher income, and here's how I think I can do that. Then, if it's number one, every decision you make in life, from when you get up, who you talk to, where you spend your extra time, is supporting that prime goal. It gets you closer to it, and the clarity is amazing. Once you identify what you want as a number one goal, you're saying yes to the right things, and you're saying no to the things that don't help it. And uh, it happens fast. It's amazing because all the decisions add up. I call that uh, a good decision streak because the decision streak adds up and you start to create what I call in the book momentum, decision momentum, where you start, it feels good. Oh, wow, this thing's really clicking. I'm making progress. Nothing feels as good as momentum. And you know that because when you hit the brakes, you lurch forward like, oh, that sucked. <laughs> There's, this is actually reminding me a lot of a book that I actually read as a kid that my mom had given to me. I don't know if you're familiar with The Alchemist by Paul Coelho. I did not read that. My mom didn't do that for me. <laughs> um, it's, it's a story about a shepherd, but it's, it's all a metaphor for 
this exact thing that you're describing, this decision-making process and how it sort of leads you into the right path once you get going. And I think there's a, there's a quote that I'll put, I'll put a link to in the show notes for all this, but it's, it's like your beginner's luck. Once you start on that path, the world is conspiring to keep you going towards that soul goal, that purpose. And I'm paraphrasing, but that's always been something that I've kept close to my heart when I've made my decision. So I can vouch for this, this beginner's luck that you're describing as, as a young person who's sort of haphazardly on this track without really having the words to describe it like you do. But I can, I can definitely vouch for this. Yeah, look. Sorry, I was just going to say one more thing about that, mm-hmm. sir. It, it's similar to what Caroline's mentioning, but but it's something I wanted to follow up with what you were talking about. So you're talking about kind of aligning your intention around this prime goal mm-hmm. and the idea that once you set that prime goal and you understand what it is and you begin to make your decisions around achieving that prime goal, you have a higher likelihood of that. And, and I'm 100% in on that. What is some of the advice you might have for someone that's a step in this process to make sure that you can stay um, aware of that goal or stay committed? Is there a step in the process that you think should not be overlooked so that you can remain committed to that goal and that you can keep it? You know, like for instance, I keep, uh, I have this little notebook that I keep with me. It has all of my like, you know, goals, my mantras, everything that I want to keep in front of me so that I remember it. And it, so that I remember where I'm going, what I'm trying <laughs> to do. What are some of the things that you might recommend, uh, to keep yourself, you know, focused on that prime goal? Because it's so easy to get wrapped up in the day to day. How do you stay focused on it? Well, it's just me, but I would throw away that notebook really? I, because <laughs> you, you should be able to remember your prime goals. And I'm just, I'm just thinking if you have to write them down, uh, you've got too many. <laughs> I mean, you yeah. should, I, mean you, I know what's important to me. I should be able to remember five things. And I think that's a, I think I, you know, throw it, not literally throw away a bit. Cause I mean, I've got piles of things that I won't throw away that are meaningful to me that have ideas and things. But, but if you think about it, one of the reasons we don't make progress back to the earlier point is we have too much stuff floating around in our heads. If you look at successful CEOs and sports coaches, you ever talk to one of these people, they're laser focused on fewer things. They're successful because their brains don't think wide. They think narrow and deep. And that is what we've got to learn a little bit more discipline about. You know, there's all this noise. The world is happy to take our time, happy to absorb all our energy. Social media is happy to waste your time to all these things, all these things you could look at and learn. And But the focused person says, I know what my top five are. In fact, I know what my number one is. And if this isn't getting me closer to those five, I'm moving on. I mean, I, to me, that's yeah, my answer to your question. I think that's fair. You know, a lot of my are more like trying to remember the specifics of particular goals within I, what I would probably say are probably milestones within my prime objectives. Like I know ultimately what I'm trying to achieve, um, but I kind of keep the, the the specifics in front of me. But um, kind of to that point, um, milestones and objectives along the way here, you know, you mentioned little wins and momentum and those sort of things. Is, is that really where you would suggest people spend more of their time when they're trying to make better decisions and when they're trying to get into that momentum is to focus on getting some small wins and, and looking at those as their objectives one by one in front of them? Or would you set kind of halfway points, quarterly check-ins or, or whatever towards that goal? What's your, what have you found in your research or in what you advise around uh, the, the highest performers and the people who make the, the best, most successful decisions? What's, what's the method that's best there? 
Sure, sure. Well, the decision makeover process is, again, about being aware of decisions as they come at you. So uh, here comes one. I recognize it. I size it up. Is this big, medium, or small? If it's small, I don't even care. If it's medium, I'm going to give it a little more thought. If it's big, I'm going to pause and I'm going to apply a little more work toward how it, link, how it links to my goals. Okay. So that awareness right there is first part of the process. Um, linking it to your goals, if you've got the goals prepared, and the ex there's exercise in the book that help you do this, it's, and it's not it's one page, but name your top five, name your number one, and let's get going. Um, and what's fun about this is that you, once you know this, you leave the house and you go out into the world and suddenly you're looking at things a little differently. As they come to you, you're like, oh, I see. I used to ignore this part. And you're just, you're more aware of it. And so now you're making decisions that are going to get those prime goals met. I mean, it's just kind of simple too. Our wants we keep out front, right? Our wants and needs we keep right out front usually. Well, your goals hopefully are right there with the wants. And um, so it should be easy to keep them top of mind. But more, more you can react to somebody who says, hey, do you want to do this? And when it doesn't intersect with any of your goals, the answer is probably no. You know, and uh, if it does intersect, the answers probably should be yes. And uh, if that's if it's an opportunity to further it. So just that little bit of practice, it takes like maybe a week of trying to think about this to get in now a new habit of this decision makeover process. And you're walking the earth now with more confidence because you're like, I know that I know what the triggers are to when I should be thinking a little bit more about decision making. Yeah. And you have a purpose. You have a purpose, destination. Purpose. You have a purpose. And and for anyone at any age, you know, you owe yourself the 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 best and most efficient path. It's kind of like back to that map, you know, mapping software on our on our phone. Why are we going the longest path with detours back going backwards and forwards? Why are we jerking ourselves around with an inefficient path to, toward what we want? That's unfair. We're not being fair to ourselves. So why not give ourselves an efficient process? And this is this is that process. As far as I'm concerned, if you back to what I said about successful people, they focus on fewer things, they approach big decisions uh, differently. Um, and I have uh, three lifelines we can talk about on how you when you make a big decision, what you can do if you're not exactly sure. And then they also the thing the thing that we should touch on is um, what people do when they've made a bad decision. Successful people actually approach it a little differently too. So which would you like to do first? Oh God, both of those sound. <laughs> Awesome. Because what I was going to ask you is, um, and, and like, keep those two in mind, because here was what my question was going to be is that um, you talk about this in a way where it makes it makes perfect sense, right? Like, you know what your prime goal is, and you start filtering your decisions, being aware of them, if they're small, if they're medium, if they're large, and you determine whether or not they serve that prime objective. And, and 100% by that, I think um, what I'm what I'm interested in is like, what do you see as, I guess, the secret sauce that makes it for you the ability to do that? You said, you know, maybe it takes you a week of doing that, but I can picture somebody listening to this being like, yes, I totally buy it. And it's like New Year's resolutions, right? Mm -hmm. Like you, you come out of the new year, you feel good. You're like, no, what I'm trying to do, I'm going to the gym. And then a week later, you're not at the gym and you're like, ah, screw it. And I totally forget. And I move on to the next thing. <laughs> and you talked about, you know, social media will, will take our attention. And I think there's so many distractions in life. What's some of the secret sauce that you keep in mind? And I think it's when you make a bad decision or how to know if it's, you know, the time to take that next step. 
you know, I don't know how to to tell you which of those two paths to go down, but what I'm looking for is what's the secret sauce that somebody listening needs to keep to get them through that early momentum of starting to be more aware. Yeah, the when, when the there. challenges start arising to take them off that path, how do they push past that? Yeah. They got to be a little bit frustrated. I mean, no, <laughs> nobody makes change that's happy and thrilled with the current status quo. Change happens because we want something different, right? Yeah. Um, we want something better. Now, I don't know very many people who are just thrilled with the status quo. Maybe I hang around people that are just tormenting themselves with big goals. and they, they but, but the point is, is that no matter what our age, we have things we want. Time is a valuable resource. We don't have endless amounts of it. And um, progress feels good. And, uh, so the, the story, the, our own personal arc of the, how we're going to handle our life and what we're going to get accomplished and do and enjoy, man, that's daunting that it's up to us. It really is. So the first thing is you got to be frustrated with the fact that you don't have a plan or you're kind of, you know, things are awfully mushy for me. It's when I'm not in control, that drives me a little crazy, meaning that I don't like other people being in control of my life. I can't, I just can't stand that. So they're, you know, they're not up to, it's not my, my progress in life. It can't be up to other people. You are my entrepreneurial brother. This is how <laughs> we all are as entrepreneurs. Like we just have no tolerance for that. I get you. Well, granted. And, but you know, even, but even, uh, let's say the non-entrepreneur is, um, in a, in a take has a job and they're sitting there and they're like, I hope someone else notices my work. There, that's already the wrong mindset. Mm-hmm. No. What are you doing? If your prime goal is to advance for whatever reason, income, you know, going up, uh, prestige, title, uh, career advancement for, you know, whatever it is, it's up to you. Mm-hmm. And I think again, so the person has to be a little frustrated, but that the mindset change is I have the steering wheel. No one else has it. Yeah. You know, you don't like the relationships you're in, you change them. You don't like, you know, you don't, if there's anything that's not getting you on the track to what your goals are, you know, it's good and dangerous in a good way to have goals set just a few because they become the destination and our awareness of the destination. uh, You know how, when you're, I don't know if you guys ever go on like road trips, but you've mapped out the, the, on your phone, you've mapped out the path and. And uh, on frequent road trips that I do that are the same path, sometimes I'm thinking, wonder if I can make better time this time. You know, it's like you're starting to game it. But mm-hmm. the point is, you look down, you're like, oh, I'm a little bit ahead of schedule. It feels good, right? It, yeah. it feels, <laughs> it feels great when you've mapped something out and you're making progress, and and you're like, hey, I'm rocking it here. Well, we there's all in the biggie categories of our lives. I think that that's what makes people happy. I'm rocking it in my relationships. I'm in my career financially, uh, my hobbies, uh, my health. I mean, you know, just maintaining your health in middle age is a ma- as a massive accomplishment. Look around. Agreed. And uh, so uh, those are, that takes work for all that. But the point is that's what makes people happy. And, um, in reverse, it, when I interviewed a lot of people about their, their level of happiness, most people who were unhappy was be due to a, a bad decision they'd made in a, one of the big categories that I describe in the book. You know, they they did not get enough education and they don't have enough expertise to call the shots in their job and their career. They're not valued high as they'd like to be. Um, they're unhappy because they made a choice, uh, a bad choice in who they married. Now, 
one of the biggie decisions in my book I talk about at great length is the most important thing we ever do is choose our partners, both in, in, as a spouse and in business. Massive, massive choice. And I think it's the biggest thing we ever do. Um, but people are unhappy because they've made mistakes in that area. Um, and so happiness really is determined by our own sense of sex, success and progress uh, on the big, big category decisions. And I think that's the part that people have to understand. If you want your life to turn out where you're thrilled with it, we've got to do a little bit of work to learn how to make good decisions because you, you, that at bat happens and you don't even get three strikes on some of this stuff. And so we got to be ready when that pitch comes so that we can swing with confidence. And I, I really think that's, that's the difference between the person, how they feel when they start my book and when they end it. Well, I definitely don't want to take everything out of your book. And I think people obviously should go and pick up a copy of it and read it and study it and learn how to make better decisions in their life. So I want to, I want to have you leave us on one last point that you brought up. And I think you naturally segued yourself right into it, which <laughs> is what happens when you make that bad decision. How do you course correct? And after that, I promise I won't ask you for any more information out of the book. I think that's a good place for us to land on. <laughs> sure. These are great questions. Um, bad decisions happen, if I could first, why, people ask why they happen. And they happen because our mindset is not correct for making a good decision. I have a character in the book I call the decisionator. And oh. that's that's <laughs> us. That's, that's, that's us three when we are not in the right mindset to be making a good decision. And the decisionator happens. It's very human because mm – -hmm. We are angry, tired, reject. We've been rejected. We are in a hurry. We are desperate. And there's a whole line of reasons that's full of emotion of why our brain is suddenly wanting something that feels good versus what's good for us. You know, that's like me and, and ice cream at midnight. <laughs> I was just thinking cheeseburgers yeah. for me. <laughs> right, 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 right. Anything yeah. carbs um, for me. Because we're, our, our brains don't help us. They're not, it's not our friend in decision making. <laughs> when it's the decisionator and it's so human, but we're not in the right position, but you'll find people making major decisions, especially about relationships and, uh, or about money because it feels good at the moment. And then, then it comes with massive regret later and bad decision-making, which then leads to consequences, which I talk about in the book. And that all adds up. It's just clutter and baggage, right? So we make bad decisions. So one of the things the book's teaching you how to do is recognize when you're the decisionator and pause. Because it won't doesn't it goes away. Sleep on it, right? Um, now that's why we make bad decisions because we aren't in the mindset. Now, even if we thought it through and made a bad decision, successful people treat it differently once they realize they made a bad decision. First of all, they don't wait around. They do two things very quickly. The average person does not do things quickly. They wait and languish over a bad decision. I call it a decision gone bad. Um, and uh, the bad decision from a successful person, they do two things, fail fast or fix fast. Failing fast is you've had enough experience with this. There's enough evidence. This ain't working out. <laughs> it's, it's like, we don't need to experience this anymore. Let's call this a day. I'm done. Um, it might be a relationship, a job. It might be, I'm selling it. I shouldn't have bought it. Um, but a bad decision once they realize that they fail fast, the reason is time is expensive. Waiting around is costly. Um, let's say you're, you're dating the wrong person and you know it, but you, for whatever reason, you're waiting around. Well, every day you wait, you miss an opportunity to meet the right person. That's an opportunity cost, right? So bad decisions need to fail fast or fix fast. And successful people do this very well too. Fixing fast is 
it's not trying harder. You should already be trying hard. But fixing fast is changing the deal, like changing the job description, or the structure, or the contract. It wasn't working the way it was written out or designed a minute ago. But if I fix it, we change these things, then it has a chance of working. It might be job duties. It might be how, whatever it takes to fundamentally change the the parameters of of what's going what's not working. And so failing fast or fixing fast, and we not waiting around is very important. I mean, every Every one of us probably has at least one decision we're waiting around and we haven't we haven't addressed and it's starting to collect dust and we need to clean it up. And uh, so failing fast and fixing fast, that's very, very important when we make a bad decision. And when you can do that quickly, what you're really doing is you're making a good second decision. And I can't emphasize this enough. A good second decision um, is the most critical. Think about historically the impact for U.S. presidents that made a bad second decision with Richard Nixon, Bill Clinton, where, you know, the second decision was worse than the first one. Uh, and so what we can do is we can make things better or worse with a good second decision. See, and the second decision of what we're going to do about it determines the amount of damage and baggage and going forward. So we are really surgeons in our own life on decision making. You know, we're 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 in charge. We're you know, we're cutting into um, our story. And we're deciding what to keep and what to throw away. And, um, and that, it's exciting, too, because, you know, I like the idea of control, like we talked about. But um, good decision-making doesn't always happen. Um, we thought it was good, and that's where our confidence is. You know, we should know, hey, I made the best decision for what I had at the time. And if I could, if I could finish with, well, then how do you know you're making the right decision? It, there's three lifelines, Okay. First thing is, does it intersect with your goal, your prime goal? And if it does, then you know what to do. It should be obvious. If you don't, if you don't really can't really identify if it fits a goal or not, the second, the second lifeline is to uh, make a list of consequences. So uh, I've got two options. I make a list of consequences uh, if I do option A versus option B. And uh, this is a simple mental list, or you can make a list on a post-it note. But it often helps break the tie. What I should do here. And should I go or should I not? And I take the list of consequences that I can most live with, right? The mm -hmm. lesser of two lists, I can most live with that list. And the third thing, if you don't, if that doesn't help you, is essentially it's like the game show and a phone a friend, but I call it decision triangulation, which is you take your opinion, the opinion of someone who loves you, and the opinion of someone you respect, but it's not related to you, and you average those out, and you will have probably the best choice you can make right now. And that's called decision triangulation. So the stuff we've talked to today, I mean, I think already your listeners probably know more than they ever thought they knew about decision making. The, my book puts this into a process they can master. And uh, back to this, I have I have two college age children, and I believe this concept and this process is going to prevent them from making monumental mistakes uh, in their early career. That's the critical stage of decision making. But I think anybody at any stage of life can do a, what I call the big reset where, all right, I've learned a lot. I'm going to shove all the stuff I've learned. I'm not going to ever think about regretting it anymore. I'm going to shove it into my past and I'm going to make a good 10-year decision streak going forward to get what I want. So that's the word makeover in the book. The word makeover is a hopeful word because we all can make better decisions starting today. I dig it, man. You have been so nice to come onto our show and set aside the time. Uh, I want to make sure that I, I give you the shout out for the book and that everybody should go pick up a copy uh, and, and work their way through it. But 
Uh, I also just want to give you an opportunity at this point in the show to just talk about anywhere else people can go and learn about what you're working on, maybe read a blog, see, you know, listen to your podcast, whatever other things you have. This is your opportunity in the show to just tell people where they can go and be social with you and learn about what you're working on. Well, I appreciate that. So MikeWhitaker.com has a collection of both my podcasts. I do a, a decision maker podcast that takes one big question, one big decision and breaks it down in five to 10 minutes. I have uh, my, my blog. I have articles that I've contributed on like Money Magazine and Fast Company. And uh, my latest uh, blog this week was uh, an article to college grads and about to be college grads about the two big decisions they have to make next, which um, your younger listeners might find interesting, but, uh, I just, I just love writing, uh, and, uh, and pushing out the content I'm, you know, and speaking on this content because I think we're changing lives. Um, my book, the decision makeover is available on barnesandnoble.com and amazon.com and at your Barnes and Noble stores. So, um, just, it's been really fun. I've done some book signings on this book and, uh, I've had people walk in the bookstore that, that I, it was an amazing story. They walk in and they say, I have to make some big decisions in my life. I came here to find a book. I can't believe you're sitting here signing books. It's like, wow. You know? Uh, so there's a lot of people that need to make some decisions. And, uh, that's, what's been so fun about this is that, is that, uh, we are making an impact and your podcast is uh, doing that today. Awesome, man. Well here, I'm going to do something. This is like a, a total spur of the moment decision, but if I bought five books from you, would you sign them? Absolutely. All right. And for all of you out there listening, if you're out there listening, I want to know what kind of decisions you are in the midst of making. So we want you to either tweet us at at shareable underscore pod, or we want you to send us an email at sharablepodcast at gmail.com. Tell us about a decision that you were making, and we're going to pick five copies to give away that are signed for Mike, and I'm going to buy myself a Kindle copy because that's how I roll. So that's what we're going to do for everybody out there. Um, We want to make sure that we get this book in people's hands so that our listeners can make better decisions. So uh, we'll talk about that when we're done with the show. Uh, We'll get some some signed copies for people. So please shoot us your, uh, you know, what decisions you're working on right now. Um, And, you know, maybe we can help you make them or maybe we can just sympathize or say thanks. But we'll (laughs) uh, we'll be picking out five of our listeners to give out uh, signed copies of the book. Yeah. And you can reach me at MikeWhitaker.com, uh, Mike at MikeWhitaker.com, and I'm happy to help in any way. I love your show. Thanks so much, Thanks. man. I appreciate you coming on. And for all of you out there listening, we really appreciate that you keep tuning in, keep listening to our fabulous guests. And I, I'm sure that this episode was shareable. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Very good. There are a couple thank yous and shout outs in order. First, thank you to Ray Bueno for all of that sexy production value, and a quick thank you to me for producing the show. I'd like to send a shout-out to DJ Quads for the use of our theme song, Always, and A. Himitsu for the use of our outro song, Adventures. You can follow Jeff on Twitter at jgibbard, and you can follow me at Caroline Tassone. You can follow the show at shareable underscore pod and just shareable podcast on everything else. That's Facebook, the gram, everything. You can email us at sharablepodcast at gmail.com. Subscribe to our email list at sharablepodcast.com slash subscribe. Do all the things. Subscribe to the show. Leave us a rating. Review us on iTunes. Tell a friend. Tell your mom. I don't know. She might like it. My mom does. Hey, mom. <laughs>